Hello and welcome to Careers in Analytical Chemistry, the podcast for CHY213. I'm your host, Dr. Darius Rackus. This podcast hosts different speakers who work with or in the field of analytical chemistry, ranging from government, academia, and industry. Today, I'm joined by two scientists in different but related roles in the pharmaceutical industry. We talk about quality control and the importance of analytical chemistry in every step of drug production. But without me saying any more, let's go meet them. Welcome to the podcast. Many of our listeners might have used Apotex products before, but might actually not know that they've done so. Apotex is a company located in the GTA, but I have two speakers today from the company, Jude Vethanayagam and Medina Alianza, who both work at Apotex, and they're going to tell us a little bit about what they do and how analytical chemistry factors into their roles. So thank you both for joining today. I'd like to just put that first question to you. So what does Apotex do? Hey, thanks, Darius, for the opportunity. Apotex is in the business of life. At Apotex, we make affordable quality medicines to treat a wide range of pharmacological indications, including anything from antipyretic, that means pain medications, all the way to anti-cancer and transdermal patches. Since we make generic drugs, alternative to brand products with the exact same quality, our products cost a fraction of brand's cost. By doing so, our products offer the same therapeutic effect as brand's products for the patients while saving billions of dollars to the healthcare systems around the world. So you're, you're in the pharmaceutical industry and you make uh, generic medications and that actually has an impact on everyone's life because it allows for cheaper drugs and better access to pharmaceuticals. That sounds really important and a great thing to be involved in. Now, Jude and Dina, I was wondering, what are your specific roles at Apotex? Oh, you know what? You know, I had a humble beginning. I started as a co-op student at Apotex and then got hired as a permanent chemist immediately after my graduation. I progressed through many progressive roles, held many leadership roles within the quality organization at Apotex. And currently, I'm the global director of corporate quality audit and global supplier quality. Dina, over to you. Hi, Darius. Thank you for this opportunity. So I started in manufacturing to step into the company and eventually moved into the lab within a year to pursue my dream of becoming a chemist. Then I held progressive chemist positions and moved up to a supervisor role and then subsequently moved to my current role as a QC manager for the last eight years. Great, thanks. So Apotex is in the business of, of making pharmaceuticals and drugs. And I know there's a term and there's an idea that's important to your industry, which is called good manufacturing practice or GMP. And I know it's something not a lot of our students will have heard about. And I was wondering, first of all, what is GMP and how do each of your roles fit into this process? Uh, thank you for the question. GMP as it stands, good manufacturing practice is a fundamental requirement mandated by different health authorities such as FDA, Health Canada, TGA, MHRA around the world to make pharmaceutical products with the assurance of safety, identity, strength, purity and quality. We call it CISPQ of the pharmaceutical products 
when patients are taking for therapeutic effects, if not for cure. So Jude, with CISPQ, that sounds like there's a role for analytical chemistry there and understanding what's in the drugs. Can you maybe elaborate on where analytical chemistry fits into GMP? Oh, definitely. So to assure the CISPQ of the pharmaceutical products, before they get out to the end customers, our end customers are actually patients. Yes, they get dispensed by the pharmacist, but our actual end customers are patients. So before the product gets to the pharmacist and patients, we, the quality control lab analytical chemists, have to make sure they perform analytical testing to identify the molecule as we claim, verify the safety profile of the product, strength of the product, purity of the product, and overall quality of the product. The last thing we want to do is the patients are not getting therapeutic effect. Imagine a heart patient who is having a mild heart attack and taking a medication with the intent to reduce the harm done to the heart muscle. And if our product doesn't have the claimed strength, purity, and safety profile, the patient can die. So that's why it's very critical. All of analytical chemists are doing the final quality control check using analytical methodologies, bed chemistry, and also using analytical instrumentation to confirm CISPQ of our products before they get to the patients. So you're using analytical chemistry to confirm what's in the medication and making sure that it's there at the purity and activity you claim it is. So do you just test the pills at the end production or do you need to be doing testing throughout the whole process? Oh, that's a good question. That is, we have to test across the whole process. So anything coming into a company for the purpose of making a product or anything coming into a company that can come in touch with the product has to be tested by our QC chemists that are specialized in the raw materials testing, whether it's a raw material or excipients or packaging components, all of them have to be tested prior to we make the product. While making the product, we will make, test the mix to make sure that the mix is of appropriate potency and purity. And then after making the final product, all of those products will have to go through the same testing regime before they can be released to the market to our patients. Maybe to make this a bit more tangible for our listeners, can we talk about a product that Apotex makes that, that they might be familiar with? Oh, definitely. That's a good question. Let's take ibuprofen. Ibuprofen is the chemical entity in Advil. We all take Advil. Babies take Advil drops and we take Advil tablets or Advil capsules. So we make Advil, uh, i.e. ibuprofen. Our, our claim is ibuprofen. We don't claim it Advil. And it has ibuprofen USP as an active ingredient. Now, I will mention a couple of excipients to put things into context. We use hydroxypropyl cellulose as a binder. We use carbamylose sodium as a disintegrant. And we use magnesium stearate as flow agent and a couple of other excipients. So what, what we have to do, we have to test all of these components prior to mixing to make the actual product mix. Cross-carbamylose sodium has to be tested on its own to make sure that meets this all testing criteria like purity and potency, and ibuprofen USB itself will be tested. All these additional compounds that are other than the active medicinal ingredients are very important to make a product because active ingredient cannot combine together to make a tablet. So tablet has to have all the other ingredients so that we can put them as a tablet. And then again, also we have to make sure when the tablet is taken by the patient, it dissolves and the molecule becomes available. We call it bioavailability to be absorbed by the bloodstream so that it can be distributed to the targeted organs. So all of them are tested prior and after. 
Okay, thanks. Dina, you're in the lab regularly as part of your job, correct? Yes, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the testing that you do? Again, thinking about like ibuprofen, like what kind of instrumental methods are you using? What kind of testing are you doing? All raw materials in process and finished products must go through holistic and analytical testing to ensure the materials met predefined and government approved specifications for different testings. For example, potency of the tablets is verified using assay testing, using HPLC or any UV analysis, while purity of the tablets is tested using related compounds or impurity testing. In addition to that, many additional testings such as identification, water content, optical rotation, and heavy metals are also performed and other tests as well. Post-market surveillance is performed using structured stability program in which distributed packaged products are kept or stressed under elevated temperature and humidity conditions as per ICH guidance. ICH stands for International Conference of Harmonization. These stressed products are periodically withdrawn from the stability chambers and tested to ensure the products in the market are still meeting quality attributes. So basically, that's the whole testing part of the whole finished product after the stability. Let me just make sure I understand that. So do you have a batch that's been manufactured and sent out onto the shelves at uh, pharmacies around the country and around the world, but you have a subset of that batch stored at Apotex that you're also withdrawing and testing? Is that right? Correct. Okay. So, so you don't actually have to go around back to the pharmacies to collect the pills and, and sample again for testing. A question that comes to mind then is when you're doing all this quality control testing, are you anticipating that your results fall with, within a certain range? And then what happens when you, you, know, you come outside of that range? So it should meet the specification, but if it's outside the range, then it goes to investigations. So when you're doing your analytical tests, presumably you're hoping that your results are going to fall within within a certain range, but I'm sure every once in a while something comes outside of that range. So what happens when you get numbers that you're not expecting? Excellent question, Darius. That's amazing that you are connecting the dots here. So yes, we do get into those scenarios very often than what we predict. Could be many reasons. An analyst made an error or an execution error, or instrument has some malfunctions, and so on and so forth. So whenever we get a result that is out of the acceptable approved ranges, we call them OOS, out of specification results, OOS. So we are expected by the government regulators to investigate thoroughly to understand the root cause of those failures. We cannot simply ignore and test again to pass that will be completely against GMP. So we have to identify the root cause and then prevent that root cause from happening again. It could be product related, it could be analysis related, but we need to identify what caused the failure. There's a specific FDA guidance on that called OS investigations guidance, and we have to follow. During the regulatory inspections, all pharmaceutical companies are evaluated under this strict criteria, something called Testing into compliance is a big GMP violation, and all pharmaceutical companies are expected to do a complete investigation to identify root cause and implement a CAPA, corrective and preventive actions, to prevent the recurrence. 
So that sounds like there's a lot of weight on all of your scientists' shoulders as they go up to make their measurements with, you know, the HPLC or GCMS or, or whatever instrumental method that they're taking. How do you make sure that the methods are executed accurately and correctly? And when it comes to doing investigations, like what are you looking for when you perform an investigation? Yeah, the analytical methods that we use in our quality control settings have to be validated. We develop the methods and we validate using different parameters like precision, accuracy, linearity, recovery, and so on and so forth. So validation means that we ensure that developed method is fit for purpose. Once the method is validated, it is expected to perform consistently provided the analysts follow the methods precisely. So when an OAS happens, our chemists slash analysts, they have to use their critical thinking to evaluate the data and go through every single step of the execution of the testing method to understand whether any lab-related error that could have led to an out-of-spec result in the testing. So as you said, Darius, our scientists, chemists, they have a lot of things on their shoulder. It's not just follow the analytical methods, but they have to be able to use their critical thinking and use their decision-making skills to identify the challenges with the testing. And I guess this is this is where the importance of the lab notebook comes into place, right? So our students in the lab are usually instructed to make sure that we fill out our lab notebooks following an according format that we've set and and to record all their data. And I think a lot of undergraduates might feel like it's a bit onerous and a bit excessive, but it sounds to me like when it comes to industry, when you're in a position where you're making things that people are going to consume to hopefully improve their life or, or even save their lives, the simple role of making records of what you're doing is actually very important. Can you talk a little bit more about lab notebooks and record keeping? Excellent question, Darius. Record keeping is very important. As per GMP requirements, you know, these GMP requirements are not a wish list. These are the mandated regulations. We have to record the data as it happens, as it appears. For an example, if you are reading a weight on a balance, you have to record at that time instantaneously and promptly on the lab record notebook. So that becomes the raw data. Even if an analyst chooses to write that in a piece of sticky note and thinking of transcribing in the lab notebook, that data is no longer raw data. The data that was recorded on the yellow sticky note, that becomes the raw data. In our setting, instead of using lab notebooks and papers, we use a laboratory information management system, which is a completely electronic integrated system that is also connected to analytical equipment, whereas raw data get passed into the system from analytical instrumentation and the software for the further processing and reporting. So at Apatex, we are fully electronic, we walked away from the papers in the lab notebooks, but protecting the integrity of the raw data, adhering to the definition of the raw data. I think there are a number of graduate students, if they're listening, who are maybe thinking back on some of their experiences in the lab and feeling a bit guilty for writing down weights on their gloves or doing quick calculations, C1, V1 equals C2, V2 on their gloves or on post-it notes. Yeah, it, it's it's a very different world in industry than in academic research. And, and it sounds like that's something in academia we can learn from uh, in terms of record keeping and, and making sure that students are, are well trained in these practices, because it sounds like it's something that needs to be ingrained as a habit rather than just, you know, something that's good to do. That's correct, Darius. Uh, you know, in the school setting, you know, we were all students once upon a time that during the transition, that's, that wasn't a uh, challenge because we used to record everywhere and anywhere we want. But 
when it comes to a GMP environment, it is expected that we record into the actual permanent media so that these data can be protected. Great. I want to ask one more question about some of the testing that you do. And then I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what it's like to work at Apotex, because I know you are one of the larger employers in the GTA within your industry. And and, uh, some of our students might be interested in learning a little bit more. But before we go to that, so you mentioned that you need to be testing for the ingredients that you say are going to be in the pill, but obviously you're testing for the ingredients that you say are in the pill and you're testing for what you're looking for. But there's, I guess you're also testing for contaminants and making sure that there are things not in the pill that you don't say are there. So if I go back to Dina's answer about testing, we perform assay testing to determine the potency or strength of the tablet. So that means we know in this case of ibuprofen slash Advil, when we test, we are looking for the known known, which is ibuprofen at certain concentrations so that patients can get therapeutic effect. At the same time, we look for known unknowns, such as impurities or degradation products like Dina mentioned. So purity of the product is verified using testing for impurities or degradation products. Impurities are the breakdown products, subcompounds because of the degradation of the molecule or related substances are similar compounds looking like the actual medicinal molecule but they are not indeed the medicinal molecule that we are looking for, such as different chiral forms. So we look for known unknowns such as impurities and related compounds. And I want to use another example of heavy metals. Heavy metals are lethal to the human body. They damage uh, kidney, brain, especially in developing babies and children. So we control the presence of heavy metals in our pharmaceutical products because heavy metals can be present in any of the raw materials. So as per the United States Pharmacopeia, up until recently, we were testing for the heavy metals using simple colorimetric comparison. Uh, We add some coloring reagents to both sample and standard and compare the color. If the sample color is less than standard, we would say, oh, the heavy metal testing is passing. But knowing the impact of heavy metals to the human body, we are now controlling as per the USP requirements, chapter 233, we are controlling at a very minute level, we go to parts per billion level. So we do a completely new quantitative analytical testing using ICPM, as many of you graduate students must be familiar with this equipment. It's called inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry, very sophisticated, high sensitivity, high resolution, we can detect at PPB level. So this is something known, unknown, like cadmium, palladium, mercury, those heavy metals. And we look for them, and we look for them because we don't want them to be there. We want to make sure they are absent in our product. So you're looking for things that shouldn't be there, and I guess those must be very unremarkable results of hopefully getting zero or readings that are below the threshold. So I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to work at Apotex, and you can give us a little bit of insight on hiring and what people could expect to do if they were working at Apotex. So Dina, I know you manage a lot of co-op students and a lot of new hires. I was wondering if you can share with our listeners what kind of activities the chemists get up to, what skills do they need to work at Apotex, and what might a routine day look like in the lab for any of your entry-level chemists? So regarding about skills of the chemists, our chemists are responsible for performing all analytical testing, leveraging wet chemistry methodologies and analytical instrumentation such as HPLC, GC, UV, IR, AA dissolution, etc. Right. And regardless of the educational background, all new hires 
go through an intensive training and qualification program before they are allowed to perform any GMP activities in the lab. And in terms of when hiring co-op students, I basically look for chemistry fundamentals 101 in students and some basic analytical instrumentation knowledge. Since our training program, as I mentioned, is so holistic and robust, new co-op students with the fundamental knowledge will be able to grasp the concepts of analytical QC testing in a GMP environment like Apotex. One important thing to note that I also look for students with the right attitude. We can teach skills, but we cannot teach attitude. Students with the right attitude will easily fit in and will be able to learn analytical skills efficiently by closely working with our teams at Apotex. So it sounds like for students who are interested in, in a career at Apotex, or at least either a co-op or, or entry-level position, they really need to make sure that they are grounded in their gen chem and organic chemistry courses and what we're learning in our current analytical course, as well as next semester's instrumental methods will serve them a lot. But it sounds also like in addition to having that fundamental knowledge pretty clear, that attitude and just making sure that you are on board with the vision and mission of Apotex will go a long way in, in being successful at your company. That's correct. Okay. Well, if students are interested in co-op positions, where can they find more information? So we have a website that they can apply into, but at the same time, Apotex reach out to the schools, every schools, and they, we post our positions in there and students can apply through whatever we posted. Okay, so interested students can go and search online or also connect with uh, Ryerson Careers to look for job postings at Apotex. I want to thank... Uh, yes both of you again for the time today to tell us a little bit about Apotex and, and what you do. It's really interesting to learn more about the pharmaceutical industry and learn about GMP and how analytical chemistry fits into all of this. So thank you for your time. Thank, thank you, Darius. Today's episode was produced by me, Darius Rackus, audio editing by Aline Garabedian, music by Scott Holmes, and George Carries and the Shades of Blue Band. This has been Careers in Analytical Chemistry. Thanks for listening. Show us what you got, the table's all been set I can't believe you didn't receive the message that we sent You look out on the streets, see the people gather there Where in the world they get the courage to put aside their fears Your calendars, your constitutions won't buy you time or absolution From today, get out the way